Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, wherever you're tuning in. We are Slava and Jonathan, bringing you the SideQuest Podcast, where we talk about character development, stories, and all things that are world-building. And we occasionally take side quests, because, frankly, that's how conversations work. Just as a reminder, this whole show is spoiler-heavy. So, sit back, tune in, and join us on this episode of SideQuest. Good morning, Slava. It's a special day. Most certainly is, Jonathan. We're at 50 episodes. 50 episodes. This is it. Count you em. guys have got here with us, and we appreciate it. We thank you for that. Absolutely. Did you know, Slava, that uh, <laughs> about a quarter of top-ranked podcasts are about true crime? That 20, makes sense. 24%. I'll buy that for a dollar. Yeah. I subscribe to at least four of those podcasts. Okay, you're part of the 24%. I am part of the 24%, top 24%. (laughs) Yeah, the second most listened to is uh, politics and government. And then the third, that that holds a 10%, so that's 34%. And the third highest is entertainment, pop culture, and the arts, which I think that's what we would fall into, because these other categories are like self-help and relationships, sports, we're not those two, history, we're not that, we're not money and finance, we're not comedy. I think that we're funny. Well, I'm funny. Yeah, it looks have nothing to do with it. Yeah. Religion, science and technology, health, multiple topics, which we might fall into that one, but I think that we've tried to niche down on literature yeah. and then other. Right. Well, we'd probably be entertainment and arts because books are part of the arts and we don't pretend yeah. to be connoisseurs of anything, but we do like talking and, well, we like reading and talking about books. Mm-hmm. That's right. Stepping into the world of stories. What what percentage of podcasts end up making it as far as we have? 20% according to a podcasting resource blog of sorts that I've looked up. I'll read it. With over 2 million podcasts out there, it's easy for your content to get lost in the sea of active podcasts. There is a 50% chance that your podcast is going to pod fade. Ha ha. With more than half a million podcasts turned out yearly, only 20% survive. So that's an interesting stat because when I was looking earlier, there's a post from last year that was a, a pretty thorough Reddit post that said that 90% of podcasts don't get past episode three. Um, so like roughly 1.8 million people who quit podcasting. They say that there's about 200,000 left after that. This is a year old though. So I imagine that it's probably gotten bigger. Who will quit after 20 episodes and we've made it past that. So that's another 180,000 gone. And then to be in the top 1% of podcasts in the world, you only need to publish 21 episodes of your podcast. Okay. Yeah. It's it's interesting. So that's a little bit of uh, podcast 101 for anyone who's listening and says, you know, I think I can do it better than them. You know what? Do it. Send us a link. We'll listen to it. We'll comment. We don't have a problem yeah. with that. Happy to support other podcasters. I think I've said this before, but I believe everyone has something to say and they should share it. Nielsen report, which is a report that tracks of media engagement, TV engagement of Americans. So according to the Nielsen report, the most popular podcast genre for light listeners, music at 53%, art at 52%. Whereas that's light listeners. That's people who like listen, you know, maybe once a week. And for dedicated podcast listeners, those who are constantly on podcasts, it's 
history is 37%, true crime is 36%, and science is 34%. So there's overlap. Right, yeah. So Slava and I sent out some requests to some of our listeners, and we asked for questions. But before we dive into that, I want to give anyone who's interested in starting a podcast a quick rubric for how to self-reflect to know that your podcast is going well. I think Slava has, I know Slava and I have both had folks in our lives who are like, you guys do a podcast? Wow, I've been thinking about starting a podcast. And then some of them actually start it and they've asked questions where they go, how do I know I'm doing this right? How do I know that I'm getting better? And this is just a quick rubric of things to ask yourself after you record. I call it five test episodes. That's what Slava and I started with. If you go back to the beginning of the podcast, we did five short stories because it's quick, it's dirty, it gets you in, you publish them, you know you're not going to be perfect yet, but you just have to start, right? But these are five quick questions you can ask yourself after you do five episodes, after you do 10 episodes, whatever. The first one is, am I more confident in front of the microphone now than I was when I started? Am I a better interviewer since the beginning? Am I a better writer or outliner for my episodes? Am I more engaging and entertaining? And the fifth one is, is my podcast better today than it was when I started? This is just five simple questions that you can use to help yourself know where you're at. And you can start to log your own data. I'm a big proponent of creating metrics that matter to yourself so you see your progress. And there are going to be days, and Slav and I, you know, we should we should actually talk about this a little later in the episode. Some of our worst episodes. We should, I think we should really look at that after we give a little background. I think that would be interesting for the folks at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why don't you uh, lead us into the next part here, Slava? All right. Well, let's go to the beginning. Where did it all begin? Because we didn't wake up one day, buy a microphone, and start recording, you know, two days later. There was a process to these things, and it was a pretty long process. It took us a year and something to get this off the ground with talking about what type of podcast it would be, how it would look like, what's our niche, what's the name. The name took, I think, like four months to nail down. Then the, More than that. The logo, what was, was going to be the aesthetic. We had to discuss a lot of things. A lot of items had to be checked off before we said, all right, this looks like something we can pull off. And then we got into the structure of the episode. If we're going to use an example... We discussed what this house is going to look like, and then we drew out 10,000 different floor plans. Finally, when we figured out what floor plan would work, then we began to really get into all the details, like how how many episodes per week, how are we going to record, Mm -hmm. what would the outline of the episode look like, how would we do outros, how would we do intros, what kind of music. We really wanted the weeds with it before our first test episode. And like you said, those five would have determined whether we continued or not. Those were, you know, testing the waters episodes. But before we even tested the waters, we pretty much built a freaking media program, a communications plan before we even tested it. I am going to brag here a little bit. I think that's part of why we even made it this far, because we nailed down so many things before we started. Test episode one started, test episode two followed, of course... We had some bumps here and there, and we figured it out, and post-edit fixes a lot of stuff, but we didn't go into it half-cocked. We were we were prepared, I think. 
We were fully cocked. We were fully cocked. Yeah, we started probably a year and a half, I think we said, before we ever recorded yeah. our first five episodes. We did do two test recordings beforehand, and we also did, we read two books. Yeah, we read two books, and we discussed them to see how we would mesh, I guess, how our discussions would go to see how this thing would work. Then we recorded yep. two test pre-test episodes, which were a complete yep. shit show. Yeah, we read Name of the Wind by Patrick Rock. We read Warbreaker by Brandon Sanderson. Right, and that's when I was introduced to both and mm-hmm. Nightblood and Siri. God bless them. We did a test episodes after that, and I think we talked about Wait, Warbreaker, actually. I think we did Warbreaker twice because we realized we it wasn't good enough. We might have. I think that we did three pre-test episodes. Yeah. In any case, th- yeah. they were a complete shit show. It was garbage. But we continued to plan. We said, well, here's where we learn. And then we planned some more. We kind of pulled, peeled back the onion, if you will, of this thing we were calling our project. And when we got to the seedlings of it, I'm making a lot. Wow, I'm doing a lot of analogies that are stretched. I'm going to pause you right there. So in the intro, I say, what What do I say? I say, um, we go on a lot of side quests because, frankly, that's how conversations work. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're giving a perfect example of right now where you're using analogy to speak to a topic which you have facts about, but this kind of gets into partly what I studied in college, which is humans have been telling stories throughout the ages. And they do that because even when I say, how was your day? You're going to tell me, oh, I did this. Oh, I did that, which is a story. And then you're going to tell me, oh, yeah, so-and-so from, you know, the cubicle down the way um, was acting like a squirrel looking for a nut or whatever. And I'm going to know, oh, they were being uh, peculiar. They were, you know, frantic about something. And I know that. And, And so even though you're tying together a series of analogies, this is how we talk. This is how we 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 relate with one another. And you speak another second language better than I do. So I don't know if they do that in in other languages. I'm pretty sure they do. They do. But it's how we communicate and I and I have that in the intro. Fair enough. Fair enough. That sounds good. Um onions. Once we got to the the core of this onion, then we saw, okay, here's the mistakes that we made with those pre-test episodes. Going forward, we need to be more mindful of what we talked about. So we, we talked about a lot of stuff, and you just heard me describe them. From the aesthetic to the music to episode outlines to the genre to everything in between. Now we go through a second revision of our comms plan, our media plan, which is a bunch of scrap pieces of paper and wild notes written here and there. We start outlining it in a little bit more formalized way. We decide what five books do we want to read. Well, let's do short stories to be easier. We chose short stories. Two authors I like, three authors, two authors that Jonathan likes. It turned out that we did two books by the same author. I don't remember at this point. But we did those, and wow, one, two, three, four, five went really well. Now, are they the best thing that ever happened to podcasting? No. But compared to what we did in the pre-testing and, and that nonsense, Wow, we really hid the marks for what we for the marks we set, we hid them. Okay, so now let's do six. How does this look like? Well, let's do another Sanderson book. And we did a whole freaking book. 
10 episodes of, what, a 900-page book? And halfway through that, at least I remember this. I don't think I ever told you this. Halfway through through that book, I was like, huh, this could be something. And because <laughs> at that point, it was 11 weeks of heavy reading, heavy listening, heavy taking notes, every Saturday waking up. I mean, it's not that early. It's 8.30 when we start recording. But every Saturday waking up, getting ready, sitting down, going through the recording, doing the post edits, doing the two listens, because I listen to it once. You listen to it again to make sure I didn't miss anything or that it flows well. Then I go back and re-edit it if there's anything that needs attention. And then we post it. And then we watch the data on that. And then we, you know, see what we can improve. We notice which episodes have more listeners than others. We try to use that as a measuring rod and then go like, oh, well, if people really like Will White episodes more than they like Sanderson, let's do more Will White episodes as an example. So a lot of planning. And it began as a FaceTime call after not talking to each other for about eight, nine months or something. And even that call was the byproduct of the initial call, of the initial thing that started everything, where I called you asking for some IT advice because I was put in charge of redoing a bunch of information systems at my job. And there's some things I know, and there's some things I don't know. So I asked Jonathan, and then we started talking again because it was about six months, maybe even to a year, that we didn't speak because we were both in different states, both having our own shit going on in our own lives. But I knew Jonathan knew some stuff about this. And we started talking again pretty regularly, centered around this information systems project I was doing. And then one day as I was cooking dinner and talking to him on FaceTime, he said something to the effect like, have you ever thought about doing a podcast? And I was like, yes, actually I have. For the past six months, I was talking about doing a podcast, just about random stuff, like a Seinfeld, a podcast about nothing with, obviously I wanted somebody with me. I didn't want to be a single host. Mm -hmm. And my wife even said, that's not a bad idea. You like to rant. You're mildly prone to rants. Why not? It's something that will fill up your time. It will give you something to do, something to look forward to. It will be a hobby because I haven't had a like a real hobby for a long time. And she said this will fill that gap. I think and she thinks hobbies and extracurricular activities for human beings outside of your normal life is a good thing. Yeah. So I was thinking about it and I didn't know who to ask. I didn't know what it would be about. And then you posed that question in the middle of me cutting an onion. And I was like, awesome. You might be the guy that we do this thing with. From then on, we started planning. I loved the fact that you were serious about it. It wasn't just like two guys talking about it. And then in our 70s, we were sitting on the porch of an old person's home. We were like, remember the podcast we thought about? No, we actually went right into it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the success too, because we weren't bullshitting. This was a thing that we wanted to do. Right. And even though we made some mistakes and the the, the pre-test stuff had its problems, obviously. Sure. We made it to 50, man. This is great. It's true. So in, in some of the episodes, there was a reference to a joke where Slava owes me a bottle of whiskey. And that's because I helped him with the the project, his IT project. But turns out it's pretty convenient. He's not allowed to legally send me alcohol because of my state laws. I think it's just a cop out. But I, I enjoy having that above him. So, yes. you know, 
I'm just going to keep reminding him of that. Yeah, I, I owe you one. It's all, it's all good. As long as there's you know no interest rate. Like now I owe you a, I don't a know. cask of McCallans or something. The uh, you know Angel's Cut keeps growing you know, as it ages. So you tell me, audience. You tell me. Well, whenever your state senate decides to repeal its draconian liquor laws, I will be able to send you stuff. Mm-hmm. Or or maybe the 10 or 15 liquor stores within the 25-mile radius of your house, if they maybe get a website and, I don't know, delivery services, maybe you can get it delivered to your house. But there for now, go. not only are the laws draconian, the boomers that run those uh, stores think it's 1915 and there's no need for a website or gift cards. So, so. not to get political, but I do think that we should regularly prune t- uh, laws. That's my that's yeah. my two cents. I think that every twenty five years, there should be a triune group of a think tank. You should have uh, a left, a right, and a moderate think tank from each state going through and doing a pruning of state laws. It'll keep them busy. Like t- every twenty five years, if you do city to city, anyway, this is just my ideas on how politics should work to make it more efficient because the government's not. Anyway, back to our podcast. Did you cover why we started it? I feel like you did. I sort of did. I feel like I touched upon it, but we we could give a more detailed response because I, I think it's tangential. And my story of where it all began was very tangential. We want we both wanted it. I wanted it because I like to rant and talk, and I felt this would be a good outlet for me. After we started, you brought up the fact that this would be a good way to hone our marketing skills if we can get this project going. From bottom up, if we could get that going and organically grow it, it would be an exercise of our marketing muscles. But that kind of came afterwards. So this is that was a consequence of us going, oh, we're not bad at this. We like doing this. We definitely could grow. Well, let's grow and learn. Because this is not a standalone marketing project. That's just a thing we're going to do because we're both in marketing. But we're doing this podcast, I feel like, at least I am, because I actually like doing this kind of stuff. And if we have... 10 listeners or 10 million listeners, whenever this thing takes off, peters out, whatever happens, I honest to goodness, I hope it takes off. I, I think this is great. But for me, bottom line is I enjoy doing this. This is, it scratches an itch and it's going to be, well, it's going to be, it is a way to exercise our marketing muscles. So it's it's killing two birds with one stone right now. Mm-hmm. And wherever it goes, and I, I hope we succeed, I'll be happy I'll be happy either way. I'll be happy that I did this. But we're only at 50 episodes. So talking about what could be or couldn't be and being melodramatic, I'm going to end it there. Because when we get to 500, maybe then we can have another episode such as this and say, well, wow, we have a clearer vision of the future and we have learned exponentially because it's not 50 episodes, it's 500. Right. Yeah, it's true. So what do you think you learned about podcasting? About a year and a half of planning, fifty uh, official episodes. I I honestly would 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 slice it differently. I would include the three test episodes we did as well because they're even though you throw them away, it doesn't mean that you didn't do them, right? Sure. Like that's that's my personal opinion. That's fair. So we're really this is fifty episodes in plus the three test episodes. So we're really fifty three. Um, what have I learned? I think that's a good self-reflection question that we should ask ourselves regularly during whatever slices of amount of time we want to look at. I'd say at least four times a year after every quarter. 
you know, where was I at this point in time last year, right? I think that's a great singular question to ask yourself. And if you're in the same spot, you should ask yourself why. Anyway, that's not what you asked me. That's just a little life advice to get the, to, to create the life that you actually want and to live. Um, what have I learned about podcasting? Well, it's interesting when you start recording yourself and a lot of teachers, communications teachers, speech, a lot of people who, who, who teach public speaking. Wow, that was difficult. A lot of teachers who teach, a lot English. of educators. Oh my God. Well, I know how I feel. You, you, this is your native tongue. You can barely speak it. Yeah. What I've learned in podcasting is that a lot of educators who teach public speaking will tell you to record yourself. And you do that because you learn a lot about yourself if you record yourself and then listen to yourself. And you start to hear the language you speak with. You start to hear the confidence you do or don't have. You start to hear the cadence that you speak with. And at first, it's pretty uncomfortable for most people. I think for myself, it was not as big of a hurdle because I have a background in film and video. And so I've had to do a variety of exercises that required me to be in front of a camera or in front of a microphone, which prepared me for something like this. Am I an expert? I don't think so. I would say that I am in the top 10%, though, where it's just I don't consider being in front of a microphone weird. And so I don't allow it to change how I want to present myself, but I would say that I'm not where I want to be. I've even taken a couple acting classes, uh, a storytelling class in college and uh, an improv class. I I think I would like to do that again because I I believe that I want to hone my level of performance uh, because public speaking is performance regardless of whether or not you're sharing your life or you're doing a podcast or you're reporting on data for your job. Like it's a really, presenting is a really important skill that we don't really cover today. I think that I've been able to, at least for our podcast, I, I'm not sure, I'm sure that it's bled over into my work and other places that I've got opportunities for public speaking, but I don't have a strong metric for like, oh yeah, I've improved this much because I believe that I still speak too fast. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because I know that one of the questions we got from the audience was, what have we learned about ourselves? So uh, I think I'll just leave it there is what have I learned about podcasting is that if you commit yourself to the process, you can become a better public speaker, that there's a lot more that goes into a quality podcast than people might recognize. So a lot of the podcasts we listen to might feel well narrated, might feel like a good story. But that actually takes a lot of work, and oftentimes it's not just riffing. There are some podcasts that are just riffing, but a lot of them require a good, strong outline before they begin to make sure that they have a direction that the episode is going. Yeah, absolutely, because the magic of movies and podcasts and media and entertainment, the magic happens in post-edit. It's not that everything just comes together in you know some sort of a mystical, metaphysical, ethereal way, and boom, you have a podcast, and all I have to do is press submit or upload, right? Or yeah. there's more to it than that. The scripting your stuff is important, and understanding why you're doing what you're doing, and making sure that what you're producing, even though it's to maybe meet an itch, 
what you're producing is public stuff, public content. So you want the people to consume it or who are going to consume it to enjoy it. Because if they don't enjoy it, pretty soon your itch is not going to be scratched because you're talking to yourself and not producing anything worthwhile. Right. And a shout out to a podcaster who I started listening to about three years ago and listening to him and his buddy riff and rant and talk about a favorite show of mine, X-Files. His media company is called LSG Media. His name is Dean. He used to run the X-Files podcast by LSG Media. As he was winding down that podcast, he said, hey, email me, audience, and if you want to start a podcast, I'll answer all your questions. And about two years later or so, a year and a half later after that, Jonathan and I are talking about our own podcast. So I emailed him, and he gave me, I think, like two paragraphs, a lot. And a portion of that advice, you are now, he said, in the entertainment business. You're not Joe Rogan, but you are now an entertainer. And no matter how many episodes you do, you have to make sure what you're producing is consumable. That was the gist of it. So what I learned about podcasting, that was confirmed. Not that I didn't believe him, right? But that was confirmed over and over again. And this is the crux of it. I have no problem speaking in front of people. I've spoken in front of 700 people, 1,000 people, done presentations. I wasn't nervous. I just did it. The way I did it was the way you see me, the way you hear me talk, audience. I was Slava, but I was talking to 700 people. So -hmm. the problem wasn't that. But what I learned specifically about podcasting is I had to turn off my little academic brain. Mm -hmm. And how you present a lecture, even though I agree with you, there's still a performance element to that. And I was able to do it, but that's a different performance. So learning that and reflecting back on what Dean wrote to me before we even did our second episode, because I wrote him after we recorded our first, or maybe a second, it doesn't matter. I wrote to him and I said, hey, I'm taking you up on your offer to give advice to your audience members who've started podcasts and want some points in the right direction. Here's our first one. It's complete garbage probably, but whatever. Here's our first episode. What would you give us as advice? Oh, he and listened to the first episode? I don't, I don't know if telling. he did. Okay. I, don't, I don't know if he did, but I just he, told him, like, if you want to. That's a big commitment yeah. for him, for him. And I didn't expect him to. But irrespective of him listening to it, which is really not that important, he gave us good advice. And the one advice that stood out was you are now an entertainer, and you have to look at how you perform your podcast duties in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. And I think it didn't sink in until probably episode 30. And that's just because of repetition. You know, you have to get into a habit of thinking about what you're doing, how you're doing it, and is your product good, right? Mm -hmm. So I was doing that in episode six, but I didn't hone that thing, that muscle, uh, hone that skill until probably episode 30. And I have become, I think, a better podcaster, and I'm have become a better presenter at work because I present at work all the time. And I know it's on Teams call, but there's about 100 people. You know, the organization I work for is fairly big. And so on a division meeting, you'll have 100 people. The last meeting that we had, which was, we had a lot of meetings. But the last meeting we had, there was like 500 people on it. And I had to brief for like five minutes 
I did well. I did fine. But I think, nay, I believe doing 50 episodes of this and outlining the content that I want to talk about has made me a better presenter because mm-hmm. now I'm no longer lecturer Slava presenting data to 500 coworkers. I am now podcaster Slava presenting the same data in a more digestible kind of more less formal way. So I've learned how to be a presenter in a more informal, cheery way, I think. Interesting. So I do a lot of presenting at work too. I think that this has helped me become better, but I think that there's still room for me to grow. And so I want to do a flip question on us where we ask each other, and I'm going to start with you. Where do I need to grow to become a better podcaster? Because we do this together. And one of the things that Slava and I have learned about ourselves is when you do a creative project with a friend, if you want it to go well, you have to be able to not take things personally. You have to have a goal that's higher than yourselves and go, look, we want this to be good. Where do we need to get better? Right. And you, 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 it's like any good relationship. You have to know how to step into healthy conflict yeah. and, and overcome it. This shouldn't be a shock to people, but for some reason it is. You always think you're right. Look in the mirror, have an opinion, and you think you're right, even if your opinion's wrong. And so you need community. And in this instance, it's Slava, and for Slava, it's me. Uh, you need a community to help you see the areas of growth and strength that you discard because you're too familiar. Familiarity breeds contempt. Is that the phrase? Familiarity breeds contempt? I think so. Yeah, but that isn't, that's not what I want to say. Anyway, so my question to Slava is, let's reverse this. What do I need to do as your co-host to become a better podcaster? A little, a little live feedback here. thought Ooh, that'd be interesting. Fun. I already know what I want to say. Oh, boy. <laughs> he pulls out a list. Here we what go. Oh, good. Uh, how, how long no. is that list? You know what? Don't tell me. Just start going. No, it's just, it's one item, but it's just a long rant about one single item. Oh, boy. No. Um, I think... If you prepared more for the podcast, sure. Like, like you don't have to be me. I'm me because I went to eight years of seminary and I learned how to, you know, do historical analysis, how to do exegetical analysis. That's right. Looking at the text and pulling stuff out. I've learned how to write, you know, what normally would take 700 pages to describe. I learned how to write that in 150. And then footnote it well to show people the data that I've still done the research. So we're different, and we, you don't you don't yeah. have to be a carbon copy of me. But I think what would help is if you did more research about the thing, whatever the thing we're talking about, and mm-hmm. drop that in to the outline that we have. We always have a working outline mm-hmm. that would help the conversation flow better, and then mm-hmm. you would be better prepared to do go on more side quests. Because sometimes I feel. You learn things about the book, mm-hmm. and maybe I should give you some of the data earlier because not, you can't know everything or research everything. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes you learn things about the book or the author the 35 minutes before we start recording. And Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, and I think that hinders some of the conversations. Okay, interesting. That's good to know. So I first, I concede that I do not do the level of research that Slava does, and not to say that I need to do that level of it, but I, I definitely 
I concede that I could be a little more prepared. That's that's fine. I think that's a fair piece of feedback. I would say, though, that I think it's, it's useful for the audience. And I think that I want to give us both a counterpoint of like, and maybe it's just me wanting to justify the position. I, I don't think it is. I think it's a it's a fair rebuttal, but because I do think that we should give each other positive feedback. But I, I think anyway, the, the point that I wanted to say is I think that it gives the audience a moment of recognition to also learn where I play the audience. I stand in for the audience where I'm learning something about the the author. And I like learning, frankly, um, because I know that you've got an education background. But I will say that that doesn't negate the fact of the of the critique of I should show up a little more prepared in some fashion. It doesn't right. have to be the same fashion. No, not at all. Done. But please um, don't, because that that I'm not even calling for that because that'd be unfair. Right, that's irrational. Right. right. So anyway, I think that's my. I don't even want to call it like a counterpoint. It's just like my add-on to sure. that or my my postscript, if you will. It's a valid postscript. It's a valid rebuttal. Because there's some things that should be organic. Even though a lot of this is scripted, something should be organic. Like my reactions to Will White, my reactions to The Way of Kings, my Mm -hmm. future reaction to the second book. Words of Radiance. Words of Radiance. Those are not scripted. I actually don't read ahead. I actually learn stuff during the week, take notes, and respond to it almost in real time. And then we recapture that mm-hmm. on the podcast. So there's some things that are totally cool for you not to know. And I don't expect right. you to right. do the deep dives I do into authors. And then you've done your half of the podcast. That's not what I'm saying. I've noticed over the last 50 episodes, a few gaps here and there that could have been avoided if you were better prepared for the episode. Now, of yeah, course, that's fair. we both have lives and you have a much busier life right now than I do. Mm-hmm. I am fortunate enough to have a job that has regimented hours. Let me mm-hmm. put it that way. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I don't have anything to do afterwards because I'm not in school. Yeah, and I'm doing my MBA. I'm not married, which like that has, that adds a level of stability, which is really nice. Where it's yeah. like you don't have to, you know, I'm dating my girlfriend and we're soon to be engaged, but I'm not married. I'm in that early stage still, and so like. Definitely the different lifestyles we have. And for to reference what Slav was talking about, I work for a startup. And if you don't anything about startups, it's you get out what you put in. And they don't hire people for startups to get from zero, which is no product, to one, which is like product market fit, who aren't going to put the work in. And so I definitely have a lot more hours than Slava just because that's the nature of the job that I signed up for. If I didn't want that, I would go work from somewhere else. But I love it. To me, it's like really pushing my career forward. But all that to say, it's why sometimes Slava could feel like I don't come prepared for some of these episodes. Mostly, I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it's episodes that I of books that I haven't read before. Is that fair? If it's books you read and it's an author that you introduced me to, you'd be hard-pressed to find a situation where I could find a detail that you don't know. Although that's happened with... Uh... It usually happens in the author section because yeah. I don't always look up the author's. I just really love the story because yeah. it's it's a different it's a different um what's the word it's a different appetite. So all things being equal, if you had if you were married and had a similar job as me and you were done with your MBA, I still wouldn't want you to be a carbon copy of me. That doesn't mean that you right. have to do the right. same amount of research because us being completely different 
me being a little bit more academic and you being a little bit more artistic is what makes mm-hmm. this thing work. So don't turn into me and come with seven pages of outline and then be, I'll be like, what are you doing, man? That's my thing. Right, like, right. Or like, I like editing. That That's something that even though you are probably more trained, you're probably a professional editor since you have a degree in this, but I'm the one who likes doing it. So I want to do it and I want to grow as an editor. So mm-hmm. I don't want you to be like, well, I'm better at this, so I'll do the editing or mm-hmm. let me take that off your hand. I'm not complaining about the amount of work I put in because that's what I want to put in and I'm very happy to do it. But I think to make a better podcast, it would behoove both of us to be better prepared. Yeah. What about me? Where do I need to grow? You know, sometimes I ask questions that I think I should have an answer for and then I actually get asked the question and I don't, I haven't considered the question. This happens in conversation for me as well where I'm like, well, uh, you know, what do you love about yourself? What what do you feel like makes you unique? And then people like, they think, they ponder, they answer and they're like, what do you think? And I'm like, shit. <laughs> I should so know the answer. you should be better prepared? You should be better prepared. Is what you're saying. That's the episode, folks. Um, <clears throat> I'm great at... I, Son of a... I really walked into that one. That's kind of uh, did. Yeah. That was good. That that's um hmm. I I will uh. Anyway. <laughs> okay. It's not often that I'm speechless, uh but the things that I want to say are not for public consumption. So, they're friendship level razzing. Um anyway, so where do you need to grow? I would say that your level of research is one of your strengths. But I think your performance of the research is drier for the audience than I would prefer it to be. And I think you need to learn to, to synthesize it and perform it better. Because I, I, I always think about this as a marketer. And I think, what value are we creating for the audience? Let me put that to you differently if you're not in marketing. Why should you listen to our podcast? Well, you should listen to our podcast if it's entertaining or it's educating. Those are the really bare bones, lowest common denominator reasons people do things. Are they trying to enjoy themselves with entertainment or are they trying to educate themselves for some reason? So there's this genre today in the content that we take in. It's called edutainment. So it's education, entertainment shoved into one word. And Slav and I agree that this is kind of the genre we've taken down. And it's not that we're going to give you a research level version of these literature pieces that we read. It's that we enjoy being entertaining, both of us. And then we also enjoy educating and teaching people things, which is why we often get into side quests that involve worldview and philosophy and so on. So I would say that the one area of growth that I would like to see is the way you perform the research because the research itself is good. It's simply a synthesis of information. And the thing is, you do this for work. And work is different because our, our stakeholders and superiors want a specific level, like give me the bullet point data and then the synthesis and move on. Yep. Whereas for edutainment, it's how do I share the research in a story framework that engages the audience? That brings value. How do they enjoy the narrative of the research? So that's the only piece of feedback that I think I would share in a moment like this that is an area that will benefit you, will benefit me, both of our feedbacks, not just mine. 
and benefit our audience to create value where if we both can can even move 2% on these pieces of feedback we gave each other, the podcast, I would say, would would become at least 15% more edutainment valued. Value yep. and edutain. You know what I mean. Whatever. I know what you mean. And that's that's a very fair feedback advice. Um, 110% with you. That is where I see a weakness in myself, too, mm. where... I can lecture and present dry facts all day long. And I can even do it in an entertaining-like fashion, right? But I can't do it in a performing-like fashion, which is needed for a podcast. Mm -hmm. And this goes back to what Dean of LSG Media, uh, and I'm really grateful for him. If he ever listens to this or hears anything, like he has helped me a great deal with just two emails and about 700 hours of podcasting that I've listened to him because yeah. I've listened to him first as just for pleasure because he was entertaining as hell. And then when we started doing this podcast, I started listening to other podcasts besides X-Files and his La- lost movie drive-in podcast where he discusses movies. And I started listening to how he does it. And I don't want to emulate him or copy him, but I want to be able to apply my talents and grow in my performance. I do know that. I think I mentioned this to you on the air. It might have been off, but I think this will take me more than 50 episodes. It might be another 50 before Mm -hmm. Slava comes around to the ultimate performer slash podcaster, or at least better than I am now. So Mm -hmm. I 100% agree with you. That is something I constantly am trying to improve. And I see myself growing in this area. Because if I listen to the first episode I did, and I sometimes go back and re-listen to them, and then I listen to an episode we did last week, I'm like, wow, that was complete dog shit. And (laughs) episode 34, I'm like, yeah, I might listen to myself if I wasn't myself. So very fair. Duly noted and uh, all the other stuff. Yeah, let's uh let's move on to some of the early brand styles, brand Ooh, and yeah. styles we we had addressed. One of the ones that I remember was when we were going to discuss a lot more variety of media, movies, music, books, etc. We yep. came up with the name Here a podcast and it was going to be this 90s retro style with like a Kav- a Kavinsky intro outro if you've ever listened to the Drive soundtrack night call man that was where the intro of the song starts with a soundscape of footsteps on gravel into a phone booth coin drips into the public phone you hear the dial tone and then the music starts well you also hear a wolf howl that was going to be the retro thing that we were going for and we were both super excited about it but when i ran the idea past a friend of mine who has a really successful podcast for what they did and then a few other people they were like okay got it that's the name but like what is it about and then i came back to slava and i was like we got to change the name it's not it's not specific enough and even sidequest is not specific enough because a lot of people who have the name sidequest are dnd podcasts so what other brands did we come up with along the journey the aesthetic feel we were going for is 90 stuff so a lot of the logos that i created for the initial launch, before there was a launch, the pre-launch, was 
a 90s feel, a, like a dark road, because we're going to do horror stories, we're going to do fantasy stories, so or a light post, a lone light post in the field or next to a field or off the side of a wooded highway or something like that. We did a lot of mock-ups that reflected what we thought would be the aesthetic of here, whether it would be movies or books or anything. We wanted it to be a little bit reminiscent of our childhood, which is the 90s. We wanted it to be a little bit reminiscent of genres that we like. And I think we kept a quarter of what we initially decided. So we still have this kind of strange name, SideQuest, which reflects what we do in between the times we're actually discussing the literature that we're reading. We go on SideQuests. Our episode art reflects each episode. For each book, I create new episode art. Now, our channel art is kind of a cyberpunky 90s looking dude walking on a lone planet. I found a music, and I forget the artist's name, so apologies. It's in the description notes. I found an artist whose music we're using that's kind of techno ish, Kavinsky like. Mm-hmm. And your voiceover in the outro, I edited that to make it sound more like you're somewhere in a maybe a room or a telephone booth. There's a little yeah. bit of an echo, and then there's this music that comes on. So we still kept the aesthetic of the original brand, but it definitely went through a lot of revisions. Mm-hmm. Even when here, when it was called Here, a podcast, it went through, well, I think at least a dozen revisions. Easily. Yeah. Easily. There was a, it was a lot, but I think it was necessary. I enjoyed those early months. It was very fun. Just building this thing, talking about it, going back and forth. It helped, I think, focus us. We were so into it, and we went so far into the weeds that it helped us grow and build something better. If we if we didn't do that and just strapped a few things together and be like, well, let's try this out, we were so much better prepared. I think that was a, a success for us. But what surprised you? Or didn't. What was one thing, let's do this, one thing that really stood out, one thing that was a surprise looking over the last 50 plus episodes and what what really didn't? Like if you could look at something and go, you know what, I knew that was going to happen all along because we're both in, in this world. You've done movies. I've created, well, not movies in the same sense, but I was, I'm involved in the same field as you are mm-hmm. and have been in this world too. So there's some things that shouldn't catch off off guard when we're doing a media thing. But let's start with the first one. What surprised you? Yeah, because of our friendship, I thought that episodes were going to be easier because we riff pretty well off of each other, and they weren't. Frankly, they're, the thing that I mentioned a minute ago about being in front of a, a microphone, like you struggled with in our first probably like 12 episodes. It wasn't a long time, but it was noticeable, and we talked about it, where it was just like, hey, I need you to stop getting in your own head, and you need to like learn to perform better. Just in the talking side of it, because it was like, we could riff, that was fine. And then the moment that we hit record, it was like you were very sterile. And I was like, bro, come on. Like, you know how to do this. And so that surprised me because I really thought it was going to be easier based on the years of our friendship and the the joking that we, we had, you know. So I, I that actually really surprised me. I mean, that's that's what a surprise is. It's, it's, um, it's an unknown discovery that causes you pause, I guess is how I would describe surprise. That's my answer to the question. What about you? What surprised you in our first 50 episodes here? It's hard to pin down anything specific. 
Mm-hmm. I knew that we planned it out really well. That wasn't a surprise. We're both anal about some things, and we really want to nail it down. So going back and forth and all the mock-ups, going back on the intros and styles and yada, yada, that wasn't a surprise. That was, I'm like, all right, I know Jonathan. I know myself. This is how it's going to be, and this is how we're going to go into not only the planning process but also the execution process. So that wasn't a surprise. That's the answer to the second part of the question. What surprised me is that we made it this far. And I say that without any guile or you know any kind of passive-aggressive nonsense, but because we are friends, we've been friends for a long time, and because we have very different lives and we're both busy and we're in different states, I thought we would peter out sooner. And once we got past episode, I'm, I'm going to say 25, and I'm like, well, for 20 straight weeks we've done this. I think this is going to be more than just a failed exercise. I think we're in this. And wow, this thing is actually working. And I am actually excited about preparing. I'm tired. I don't want to do this. I just ate dinner. I'd rather just watch a YouTube video. But no, there's something inside of me that's driving me to go do some research on Chuck Palahniuk uh, or something, right? So that was a bit of a surprise because I thought I would get tired of this sooner. And I know it's kind of a, a very cynical thing. But yeah, and it was never. I want one caveat. It was never like an overwhelming sense of dread or a looming failure. It was just we're doing this, and wherever it goes, it goes. But and I've said this offline to you, and we both agreed, wherever it goes, it goes. But each step that we take while doing this project is going to have to be serious. We're going to have to give it a hundred percent. And if it stops. At episode 20, well, we know that for 20 episodes, we did 100%. So that was always the case. It was never loosey-goosey. But as it started to grow, and as we were like episode 10, episode 15, episode 20, and then we're thinking about a guest episode uh, for that book, and I was like, wow, this is something that will not just peter off in the next two episodes. We are both very serious about it, and I'm very happy about that. So that's my answer. Were there any things, and then you can toss this my way as well, were there any things that you, well, how do I want to say this? So I think that surprise happens when we have an expectation that's not met. Is that fair? I feel like that's fair. Sometimes, but, you know, a surprise party. The expectation is there's no surprise, and then there is a surprise. So uh, anyway, semantics, I guess. What didn't surprise you? What, you know, things went well? Is that a bad question? No, but I answered that on the front end of this. But it was the fact that we were both giving it 100%, right? We When we started, we just went nuts. Knowing each other, I was not surprised that we took this seriously and went with it. Got it. What was your favorite book so far? Favorite book so far? So I think I want to revise this question. I want to say, what's my favorite book so far that I didn't suggest? Because I think that that's different. Because I have favorite books. And then I think that there's the discovery part of this podcast for both of us. So I think my favorite book so far that you've recommended is Roadside Picnic. Nice. Really, really enjoyed that book. You know, I, I think at some point, I don't, did you say you read the second book? No. Even though it's, you said it's kind of like, not exactly the second book, but sort of. Yeah. Yeah, I think that one was my favorite because I like the narrative style where it's these vignettes that happen throughout time. It was a little confusing, and I don't 
I think we we nailed this down during the episode that it was probably a translation issue or something. But I really enjoyed that book. I I honestly would like them to do more. If it was just a series, an anthology of vignettes from different people, from different perspectives, I think it would be really interesting to read, honestly. So yeah. that, that one really stood out to me. I, I constantly think back about that. I also know that that's one of our more listened to episodes. I want to say it's the... Well, so you and I both know this, but I don't think we've talked about this with the, with the audience. But um, we had some errors on the first five episodes where when we did a re-listen to them on uh, Spotify, it ended up glitching and giving us a larger quantity than we we knew that it, the listens were us and not other people because it was like the first week that we recorded. So that throws everything off. But so if I if I rule those out, then Roadside Picnic is one, two, three, four, five. It's our sixth highest listened to episode. Hmm. The first section of it, sections one and two with the intro. Super interesting. Would like to have listened to it or yeah, just had more. I'm I'm uh, belaboring the point, as you say. What what has been your favorite book that I recommended so far? Warbreaker. No doubt about it. Really? Really. Even more than the Liza Lachlamora that we're recording right now? Yes. Really? Okay, why? Yeah. The story drew me in. And I really, really like Siri. Like I, I, as a character, that girl is just like a, like a little sister to me. Man, it's amazing. The, the story itself was interesting. Nightblood, Basher, all good stuff. The back and forth between the gods, the smart ass god who ends up dying, I think, at the end. I forget his name. Light song. Light song. There you go. Like all of it was great. In the sense that there's just different characters. It was a uh, this cadre of characters the gods themselves they were just so well written they're just so entertaining and that was reflected in the in the episode that was a favorite book so far and lies of lock menorah lies of lock menorah and the lies of lock lamora is might be a second or third i really like it i really do like it. it's a fantastic story that's it that you know enough of that because this is not what the episode is about but the Definitely Warbreaker. Yeah, I Warbreaker is the first Sanderson book that I've read. I think I've mentioned Same. this before. And it's honestly where I think people should start because you can see that Sanderson's a good writer here. The world is unique. And I truly can't get past the prologue. It's funny, Vasher thought, how many things begin with him being thrown into prison. Opening line, love it. It sets the stage so well. It just, like, you're like, wait. And then this guy goes deeper into the prison. There's some intrigue going on. He steals some magic powers that you get introduced to from another prisoner. He has a sword that talks to him that kills people on his behalf. And then you're like, wait, what? And then you have to get through, like, 12 chapters of setting the context of the story, which is slower. But you're so intrigued by the prologue that you're like, when is that guy coming back? So, yeah, huge fan I think it's the one that people should start with, even though it's a standalone right now. So, good yep. stuff. Very good stuff. What about a favorite discussion or episode that we had? What would you say to that? It's got to be, and this was a surprise to you originally, because we never talked about this, was bringing guests on who've read the books. Mm -hmm. Because as much as I enjoy our friendship and the talks that we have, I really like, and this is 
you know, entirely self selfish, which is why I keep pushing all my friends and my girlfriend to read the books that I like, because I want someone to talk to about it with, right? Like, so my favorite discussions are being able to discuss these books with people that are not me. Because I can sit all day and I can research the Cosmere or I can research the Liza Lacamora or the Roadside Picnic or do Android Stream of Electric Sheep. I can do that, but it's not the same as when you get to talk about it with another person. And then because you and I spend at least a couple hours a week together doing the recording on top of the talking we do and on top of the re-listening to our episodes, to me, my favorite episodes and discussions are when we have guests. Same. Ab- absolutely same. I think there might be, if I go back through you know, the annals of my memory, mm-hmm. there might be an episode that stands out like, wow, Jonathan and I really had a good discussion there. And sometimes that has to do with worldview stuff and some of the psychology stuff we talked about. I like those discussions. But when you have your friends on, it gives me a chance to gang up on you with them and turn them against you. So yeah, And they bring interesting uh, talking points and viewpoints, too. It just uh, makes it for a, a more livelier, kind of a more rambunctious discussion. And that that's always good. Yeah, I agree. And I'm excited because coming up here soon... We have your first guest, and I love my friends. I think it's a good time getting them on the podcast, but I also am excited to continue to meet people that have either really enjoyed the books that we've read and are are big fans of it or just want to come on because they've never read the book. I've got a, a, a young woman that I see regularly week to week in the community that I'm in who is like, hey, I really want to be on a podcast. Can I get on your podcast? And I said, yeah, sure. You know, what books have you read? And she's not super well read, but I was like, well, if you pick a book, like I'd have no problem adding that to our list and like doing it. So I'm going to hit her up again about that because there's something about her wanting to be on podcast. And so let's do it. Let's invite people on that we know to share their perspectives and life experience and what have you, because I really believe that we as a, as a world community could grow more if we tapped into one another's experiences to gain wisdom and learnings from the do's and the don'ts, the failures and the successes of yeah. um, what we've learned in life. So we've talked about favorite books. Let's talk least favorite books. Which book that I've recommended have you just not been a fan of? Or, you know what, I guess because I, I know that we've covered this, that you've really liked the books that I've recommended. So what book have we read that you really didn't enjoy? Least favorite so far. I hated it much less than you. I think I'm in the almost, I didn't hate it, but it wasn't great category. But it would have to be The City in the City. You can't steal my answer. You know that that's going to be my answer. Well, but, but you hate it absolutely. That's fair. I mean, we did a grant a couple other things. Yeah. I think if I was going to change my answer, I think maybe now, now because C.S. Lewis, Out of the Silent Planet, I liked it. But if we're really going to like rank them and without any um, actual like statement of value saying like this is a garbage book versus this is an amazing book, I think the least favorite would be Silent Planet with value statements attached to it. It would be The City in the City. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about the issues with that book. And and go back and listen to the episode if you are curious about the distaste that we had for the book. Yeah, episode 27. Honestly, I think it's our first public confrontation 
or sorry, I think it's our first public conflict on this podcast yeah. because yep. I really I did call Slava out on the episode and we left it in because well we think it's good to to have a little bit of drama in life so and we didn't stop being friends because of it but I was waffling on it and Jonathan just said hey just just admit that this is kind of a a garbage book and I was like fine I didn't I didn't love it because by chapter eleven I wanted something to happen and then by chapter nineteen I was clawing out my ears because I was like what is going on um, yeah. And, and you just didn't take a strong stance on it. I didn't, because I wanted to like it, because I like weird fiction. And the weirdness of the story, I still like. The execution of certain plot points, ugh. You no. can like the premise and dislike the book. Like, that's okay. Yeah. So I'm sure the audience is dying to know some behind-the-scenes tidbits. What should we reveal from behind the curtain? We have a throwaway episode that we did. We do. We recorded an episode based on The Variable Man by Philip K. Dick, and we recorded it, and we listened to it, and we decided it was off-brand, and Very we much. threw it out. Yep. We didn't publish it because it was that bad. Yeah, you can still listen to the episode on The Variable Man, which is a decent episode, I think, but the second episode to follow up with it was going to be about the nature of reality because Philip Dick covers that in a lot of his books. And we thought we'd have a conversation and wax philosophical 15 minutes into the episode as I was editing it. It's like, yep, this is not going to work at all. And we scrapped it. Yeah. And and that comes from our marketing background of even though we have tried to choose a niche, we saw that we attempted something and it was so off-brand that we wouldn't be able to publish it in good faith. So how do you feel like our sub-goal of seeing how good our marketing skills are are going with this podcast? I think they're as good as they can get given the amount of time we can spend on the specific marketing aspects of it. That's a lot of words. So the research I've done and how long it takes for a podcast to get off the ground without any money being pushed behind the marketing uh, efforts, we are on course. So if we continue doing what we're doing, and as we grow and get more episodes under our belts, we can expand to other social media platforms. Right now, we're only on Instagram and TikTok, and TikTok we're not that active on. On Instagram, That's I, my post, fault. I post... That's 100% my fault. That's all right. We forgive you. You should be better prepared. Um, <laughs> we post on Instagram every time an episode drops or a new series starts, and I put sizzle reels on there or a teaser reels, and we have a few followers there, and that's fine. They engage with it, but right now, given our place in the podcast journey, we can't do anything better or worse. I think if we focus on being more consistent on TikTok and maybe try to rethink our Instagram strategy and see, well, what else can we post here to get uh, more engagement? That's something we could do. But given our lifespan as a podcast, given the how young we are as a podcast, we can't expect to go into the stratosphere unless one share or one episode somehow goes viral quote unquote, and then that gets us more and more eyeballs, that could happen. But 
I think we're growing naturally. So we're making our goals because we're what a 24% sub rate, which is, I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's industry standard below above, but given the amount of podcast episodes we put out versus how many subscribers we have on Spotify alone, Mm -hmm. we're at 24%. So we're not bad. Yeah. So what that means is for every four episodes, we get another subscriber, which is pretty crazy. I would say that one of the areas of marketing that we have, have, and it's just exactly what you said, could grow in is it's the consistency of posting, which, as I said, readily admit that part of that's my fault. But it comes down to systems is we don't have a good system. And then to your point, it's because of our lives, right? Like building a good system for businesses requires work of like, how do I take what I've recorded and then slice it up into the proper levels of content and then distribute it? And we haven't taken the next step forward to slice up our episodes into bite-sized snippets or snacks, as some people like to say in the marketing world, to then distribute on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. What you want to do is you want to try to automate that, where it makes your post-production work systematized and processed so that it's less manual, because right now it's manual. And that, I would say, is the current wall that prevents us from achieving the level of marketing that we know that we're capable of because we do it in our day-to-day jobs. Yeah, so. absolutely. Hello, good people. This is Slava jumping in the middle of this episode to let you know that you're going to notice a slight change in audio. And that's because we had to record this episode in two parts. So thank you for listening this far and enjoy the rest of the episode. And another thought I just had was I have been giving podcast advice to people in my community who want to start podcasts. And one of the things that I've been spelling out to them that I want to share with the audience is in terms of automation, so that you don't have all of this manual work, it's important to understand each step in the process for the different layers of what you're doing. So how do you find a guest? spell out the process. Well, first I create a list, then I whittle the list down, then I reach out, then I whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Phase two of that would be, okay, I've got a guest. The end of phase one is you've got a guest who's agreed to a a recording date. Okay. Phase two would look something like, what is the outline going to talk about for the episode? Are you going to do a pre-conversation with them? Are you going to have them show up 30 minutes early, then you have the recording, how do you end the recording, and having, like, a lot of it stems from the outline, and then the steps just before and after the outline, and then you have your recorded episode. That's, like, phase two. Phase three is post-production. Okay, how are you going to edit it? What what tools are you going to use? What platforms, whatever? What's your process for editing? Are you going to listen to it? one time through and Slava can speak to our phase three here in just a second after I get to phase four. So phase three is the editing, the tools, the techniques you use, the notes you take, how many passes are you going to do? Are you going to do it yourself? Are you going to have someone else do it? Just a lot of different questions to help you prepare for making your processes go smoothly. 
And then phase four is distribution. Where are you going to post it? How often are you going to post it? Are you going to do just posting once a week and you're just going to go? Are you going to do seasons? Are you going to do mini series first to start? Are you going to do um, 10 episode seasons or 20 episode seasons? From there, it's like, okay, you've posted it publicly. Now, where are you going to advertise? Right. And that's marketing. That's that's part of phase four as well. And then are you going to ask people to repost it? So phase one is pre-planning, pre-production, all of the stuff that happens before you ever start moving toward production. Phase two is production and the plan for production. And what's the episode about the record date, everything like that. Phase three is the post-production and how you're going to edit it and all those things. And phase four is distribution. For people who are trying to start their own podcast, this is these are some tips for you. And build a flow chart. So what happens if you skip one of these steps? Does it still work? Maybe you don't need that step. How small do you want to start? Can you boil stuff down to, to begin with? And things like that. Slava, do you want to add anything or speak to any of those phases before we move on to a couple more questions? I got a couple of thoughts, specifically on one and three. The pre-planning part is essential. And even if you have to take an extra couple of days to plan and postpone a recording, do that so when you get to the recording, you sound professional. Mm-hmm. Because, and I'm going to give him a shout out again, Dean from LSG Media, the email he sent me is, you are now an entertainer. That means more than just you have to perform well, but you have an obligation to your audience. Because sure... They're listening to you because they might not know anything about Brandon Sanderson, for example. Or they might be a diehard fan and they want to hear somebody else discuss Brandon Sanderson, but they know more than you. They've met Brandon Sanderson. He's their third cousin, twice removed. They'll still listen to you, but you have to understand that there's people that know more than you, but if you don't come at it giving it 100%, well, like, this is a thing that I'm doing, even though... It might be a hobby. It might be in its early stages. If you're not coming to it with the notion ingrained in you that I have to do this like I do anything else, that's important. I'm not getting paid for this yet. This is just a thing on the side. But if you give it 100%, and that includes being well-prepared, doing outlines, refining your outlines, refining what you want to get out of this episode – or if this is a two-parter or a three-parter, what you want to get out of this segment of the book, that's very important. And then number three, the editing part. That's mm-hmm. where you consolidate your message, right? Taking out the ums and the hums and the bloopers and where you ramble on for 17 minutes about topic X, which might be fun for you and maybe, I'll be generous, maybe 10% of your listeners. But for the rest of them... Ah, they'll listen to you because they might like you, but at the end of the day, they don't care. So how do you craft a narrative? And in one of the previous episodes, maybe even in this episode, because everything's kind of bleeding together with the books we're reading and the amount of time we're doing recordings, I mentioned that a lot of things are scripted in this world, including the what we do for our job. Mm-hmm. So some of the stuff, here's be, welcome to Behind the Scenes with Slava and Jonathan, Some of the stuff is scripted, where Jonathan and I say, this is going to be our bit, this is going to be the joke that we say, this is what we're going to talk about. And I want to say about 80% of it is actually not scripted, it's just us talking, free talking. 
It's a free flow conversation, cooperative overlapping in conversation, whatever you want to say, right? <laughs> but the most important things are scripted and organized. So when I start editing, I have to go back to those things and make sure when I take stuff out or when I edit portions of our back and forth about a particular item in the book or a plot point in the book or whatever, I have to keep that in mind. To summarize what I think you were trying to say is you have to come at this as if you were a professional podcaster, even if you're not. So it's kind of a fake it, fake it till you make it type deal because it will come through the mic. The confidence will come through the mic. And then as for the editing part, there are jokes that you're going to make with your guests because your first guests are going to be your friends that no one cares about that corn story you have from third grade that you and your best friend tell each other and you just crack up laughing because there's a lot of context that's missing. And so something that Slava and I had to filter out pretty early on was what are all the cracked jokes that we do that just we can't do because it's not something that's going to relate, that's not going to be relatable to anybody. So anyway, that's that's all to say, like, if you're trying to start a podcast, here's some information of, like, what we've learned and what we've done so far. And then I will leave you with a few verbal resources to look up as uh, inspirational seeds that you can go to to try and help you understand the organization of preparing something. So look up a TV production Bible in film and video information spaces, because when they're planning out a series of t- of for a TV show, like... Season one, season two, season three, season four. Go look at that. And if you're going to do seasons, like that's a really good resource, right? If you're going to do week to week, understand like, are you going to do themes? Is it, is it, are you just niched down where you're just talking like, I'm doing a podcast about history from the 15th century. And so every, every episode is just so niche that it's people know what they get. Slav and I have this problem still with our niche where we're doing books like, and we're still learning what our niche is. And you, and you can do that for your first year. That's fine. Because a lot of this is, a, is an experiment in and of itself for you as well. Um, if you aren't committed to doing a podcast, another idea is do a TikTok that's spe- specific to whatever you thought you'd podcast about and just hit your niche there. Like, so there's ways to do these things. I'm going to curb this for right now. Feel free to leave questions for us if you have issues like we would be happy to give the first two or three viewers a listen of your podcast if you have them or questions or what have you we're not going to only answer the first two or three questions but questions are easier than me listening to 67 podcasts you know as the next years go by and people are like hey will you come back and listen to my podcast like we don't necessarily have time for that but the first two or three people we'd be willing to give your podcast a listen and say hey these are the thoughts and notes we have as outside viewers who don't know anything about you or your podcast hope it helps so absolutely and i think that's essential because dean the guy who i keep giving a shout out to he did that for me for us i'm the one who had the conversation with him and i forwarded our convos to jonathan yeah but he's the one that took time out of his day he's been doing this for a lot of years and i'm going to read you one of the just a sentence or two out of his email that goes back to what we were just talking about educating and entertaining and how to prepare for that I'm not going to read you the whole thing. This is right in the middle of the paragraph. Educate, meaning help me, the audience, see something I didn't know or enlighten me to something I had not considered. The entertainment part speaks for itself. You also have to consider that you are engaging in the theater of the mind to get all halafalutin on you. People are listening. Your words are telling them a story. 
your words are pulling them into a world that you are creating. You want them to feel as if they are sitting right next to you. You want to feel as if they are part of what is happening, and they have no idea what may happen next. They are compelled to listen. They are drawn in. This is critical. So the preparation that you do will help you achieve these things, and then the edit to craft the narrative of your episodes that kind of, not kind of, that actually ties into the whole thing that you're trying to do with your podcast, your brand, if you will, that's how you do it. And then two and four are also important because two is in recording and three is promoting, but one and three are almost like the driving force of everything. Yeah. And then two and four are the byproducts of one and three. Yeah. Slava, I just realized before we hammer this home and move on to some rapid fire questions about failure that we've had through making the podcast, can you just give the folks some two quick questions? So like, what do you do for research when you're looking at yours in case they have a podcast that they want to do research based items on? Just a quick overview of that. And then how do we prepare for each episode? Now, you've already called me out on not coming prepared enough. So I'm going to also let you answer this question. But uh, can you can you just answer those two questions for us? Sure. And actually, those two questions are questions from a listener. And the first one, the answer to the first one, how do I prepare? Well, the first thing I do is I listen to a book or I read the book. Sometimes I do both, Kindle and an Audible. Then what I do is I look at any book analyses that a blogger, irrespective of their fame or what I would, what people would say their knowledge based on kind of like the, you know, cultural understanding of that. I'll read some nobodies. I'll read people who are famous, who write for publications. I'll read analyses and book reviews. Then I'll do a deep dive into the author, whether that's Wikipedia, which I take with a grain of salt, and I go to the, the footnotes or the endnotes and try to find original sources and interviews with the author, and their personal blogs or their bios online that are official bios. So I'll go through that, and then I will try to separate myself from kind of all that, thinking about, okay, what is this book trying to say? Now that I've learned about the author, what is the author trying to say with this book? And then I'll go try to read more reviews and more deep dive analysis, like with Cliff Notes or Spark Notes, or sometimes colleges will have literature departments that will put out study guides on a particular book. I'll try to absorb as much as I can from that, dump all that out into an outline and whittle it down. And then what I whittle down into bite-sized pieces of data, I put into our podcast outline And so when Jonathan and I are are talking, the outline's right in front of us, we can refer to it. Now, sometimes that outline can be whittled down some more because it's a novella within our our Google Doc that should be about five pages at most, and it's sometimes ten. So that's how I approach the research. How I prepare for a podcast is I will listen to the last 20, 25 minutes of the book or read the last few pages up to 10 
of the book that we're about to discuss, probably the day before, or if I have time, the morning of the recording. And that way I'm coming into this with a fresh mind, well, fresh mind, coming into it with a mind that's kind of been dipped back into the the recent thing that we're discussing. Because I read two or three books at a time, and sometimes after I finish a book or finish a section that we're preparing for, I would have read two other books or listened to three other podcasts, and it's going to be three days ago that I touched the book that we were looking at. That's my rhythm, so to speak, or how the process I go through to prepare. Awesome. Hopefully this uh, this information is really good for you guys. I know that I'm going to send it to the people that have asked me, like, hey, how do I start a podcast? So this is it's kind of nice that we're doing this to try to sum up as much of our knowledge into a single episode as possible. All right, on to some rapid-fire questions about failure, which are, like, failures are going to happen in life. If you've escaped failing in life, I'm curious on how you've done that. Please reach out, because I would like to avoid failures. However, that doesn't seem to be what we've gone through. So, um, rapid-fire questions about failures. Uh, Slava, first off, we're gonna you're going to answer, then I'm going to answer after you. Four rapid-fire questions. First question, what was our worst episode? The worst episode. We had two or three where I felt it was just forced, or after we were done, I was like, well, that was C work. And I feel like the variable man was one of those, which is episode 30. And I think, although I wouldn't be able to tell you which ones, there was probably two or so, two or three, episodes of the way of kings where it just wasn't happening and not because of the content or lack of preparation on either part because you know that book in and out Mm -hmm. i did my usual preparation but it felt inorganic it felt like we were trudging through it and it wasn't a recording that we were doing on a friday night at 10 o'clock at night Mm-hmm. It was a regular recording, but after it, it was like, well, that was, we passed, but, you know, yeah, we could have been better. Yeah. The Variable Man takes the cake as the worst episode because we didn't even air it. it was... No, we aired it. We aired it. Uh, we didn't no. air the follow-up to... The follow-up. The follow-up. Yeah. Sorry. The follow-up to The Variable Man because it was based on it. Right, right. The nature of reality? Yeah. Yeah, the follow-up was a complete disaster hot garbage so that was our worst episode but we've had some other bad episodes like the short stories they're fun for us to read and just talk about but i'm not convinced that most of them are worth us recording and it's because there's not a lot like the the length of the text isn't long enough for us to capture themes and have enough to say about the characters and so like rainy season was a real rough episode like i think it turned out okay but it required extra recording on our part, and it was difficult because, frankly, if we didn't read that second story that the rainy season was based on, that was a terrible episode. The lottery, yeah. Yeah. So the short stories that are not that are too short, if they're not written by someone like Edgar Allan Poe, like one of our first five pieces was Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven and um, Telltale Heart. So we did two of them. So it's like, this is the author... This is the type of stuff, you know, gothic pieces. We're going to read both of these, and then we can kind of look at the tropes between them. That worked out because we did two. If we just did the Telltale Heart, there's still stuff to talk about because it's Poe, but 
in particular for the rating season, it was just tough. Like there's no, it's too thin. It's too thin of content. So yeah, those, yeah. Anyway, these are supposed to be rapid fire. We're kind of not doing rapid fire. Why don't you queue up the next one? So the next one is what are some failures that weren't actually failures? What are some things that we ran into? We're like, ah, crap, that's kind of hot garbage or that was stupid. But when we, on the other side of it, was like, oh, well, that worked out just fine. Or actually wasn't as bad as we thought or wasn't bad at all. What do you think? Mm, That's a good one. Failures that weren't actually failures. Well, so this is a perceived failure. It took us a year and a half to start, right? But in that year and a half, we read two books that we recorded once for the first one, twice for the second one because we realized it wasn't good enough. And then we put an exorbitant amount of time into branding and then threw the branding out. So it seems like a failure because it took us a year and a half to start. But because of that failure, we have something that's more valuable to our listeners. 100%. Same. So what do you, what, what's one of the failures that didn't actually be a what? Uh, words are hard. What were some of the failures that we had, Slava, that weren't actually failures on in your mind? Well, I said same just now. That doesn't but count. I'll give you another one that's tangential to yours. Our process for picking a name was excruciating. And by that, I mean that it took a long time. Nowhere in the process was I actually annoyed with Jonathan or annoyed with the process or disappointed that we weren't getting anywhere. But it was a long damn process and at times there was a little bit of a frustration just because it's taking so long but afterwards we're, we're better for it it wasn't a failure that we had to switch names and then switch our what's that thing called <laughs> not, not, not our motto but uh help me out rebrand the tagline that took a while and who knows it might change in the future but right now based on what we're doing it fits, and it fits a lot better than when we started. Although the first thing that we had, which was here, a podcast, it is weird. It is off the beaten path. But for me, I know I'm biased. I like it, so I think it's kind of cool, even if I'm the only one who thinks it's kind of cool. But because we went back and forth so many times and eventually scrapped that, which could be perceived as a failure, just like you said, because we went through so many revisions of the brand, the type of things we wanted to talk about, we whittled it down. We're better for it now that we're in the middle of it. We're not figuring that shit out right now. Right. So I'd say that the Hero podcast, even though we liked it, once we set the goal of like, we're going to try and just flex our marketing skills and see if we can get better at it, that is the worst brand because we have no budget. (laughs) We have no, like, there's no way for people to search for us. So, like, we had to throw it out. This leads into a great follow-up for the final question, which this is not as rapid fire as I thought it was going to be, is what, uh, how do we push past the failures? Learn your lesson. Move on. Don't take shit personally. Don't get all butthurt about things. Don't start doubting yourself or being hard on yourself. Recognize the mistake and fix it. Now, this particular mistake, it might take us into the new year to get better at it because it's not just us being lazy dumbasses, you know, knowing the right thing and not doing it. A big portion of it 
is our schedules and yeah. our lives. But we somehow managed to record for a year now, 55 weeks, a year and some in a month, consistently reading, writing, coming to the drawing board, making those outlines, recording, editing, some sort of social media presence. We've done that much. So once the new year comes about, you're done with your degree, uh-huh. there should be a response. That's yeah. the main point. Like now that you realize this is a failure, you realize you shouldn't be doing this or this needs to be fixed, put on your big boy pants, your big girl pants, and fix it. Right. So I would say the way that you push past failures, you need a plan. But before you need a plan, it's so Slava's advice is step one, recognize the issue. So write down and address all the things that you know you have problems with and pick one that is fixable, that you could fix, that you would fix, right? And then you need a plan to fix it. So for us, we need to figure out what tool we're going to get to help us slice up 50 episodes into social slices of things that we believe would provoke people to come listen to the episode. Neither of us has time to listen to all of our 50 episodes again in a short period of time to build out this massive set of content. And so what that might mean, and I'm just verbally processing here, is we might have to both go through episode one, mark notes down, and then go back and edit it, and then bring it to somewhere, make it a vertical video of us chatting because the podcast is all audio, but we might need to release some video or find some sort of visual to draw you in while the audio is playing and then start scheduling these things out. But the way that we like to do things is we like to build a small back catalog before we start pushing stuff. So for us, it's recognize the issue. We've recognized it. We're talking about it with you guys here. Then we make a plan. We haven't made the plan yet. And that's part of the reason that the execution hasn't happened because we know that you can't just go and execute it doesn't, it doesn't go well. So it's understand the issue, identify it, plan, and execute. So our, our current blockage is in phase four with distribution. We have phase one, two, and three going reasonably well, but phase four is distribution and it's not going well. Right. Got our failures out of the way. Let's look at some things that we do fairly well. Uh, we already answered two audience questions. But we have four that are especially interesting. Which author, Jonathan, would you want to have on the podcast? I have my answer right away, but I'm going to let you answer first. Sure. I think that I would like to... So, like, the easy answer is Sanderson, because I think I'd just like to have a conversation with him. But I think that I would look too much like an idiot. and Because I'm just... I know that when I check the subreddits out and I check the other podcasts out of people who've read the books, they're catching stuff that I didn't read. I, I, I've read the books three times and, uh, or more than three times at this point. I really, I don't remember. But like, let's say it's one of the newer books. I've only read it three times. And they're catching things and he can have a conversation with them about that. So I don't think there'd be any value add there. Um, and so like, as much as that would be fun for me, it wouldn't be fun for the audience. So that's the perspective I'm coming at this with. That said... I would like to have, ooh, okay, here's the value add for the audience. I'd like to have China Mayville on. Okay. Just berate him about how shitty, isn't <laughs> that sitting in the city? Is. What the shit were you thinking? <laughs> no, I, 
A little bit, uh, like what, full honesty, like a little bit of that will happen. A little ball busting is okay. But but here's the thing, like he and I said this before, even in the, even in the show. Look, he finished a book, he published it, and it's sold. I've never done anything. New, like that. Numerous books, numerous right, books. Right. So like, okay, he had one that was a flop, in my opinion. I've only ever read one, but I want to talk to him. Like, what's your process? Because I know Sanderson's process, right? And so like, I would ask questions like, why? Why do you publish books so quickly, maybe? Or do you have beta readers? Or maybe you need some new beta readers? Like, I would I would digest the process with him of, like, how he processes a book that he's writing. And so that's why I picked one of my least favorite authors. Well played. For me, Stephen King, hands down. Because I am a fan. I read not enough of his stuff. But I read a lot of his stuff. And I enjoy his voice so much. And it would really be just a selfish, fanboyish kind of episode because, by God's grace, that man's books have gotten me through some tough times as a kid. Mm -hmm. It really was a wonderful time to be able to take a Stephen King audio book even as a king, I I listened to audiobooks before they were popular, right? There were literally books on tape in the library that you would get. I have and, uh, The Hobbit on tape on my shelf over there. And I would fall asleep to Stephen King short yeah. stories. And Stephen King novels, short stories specifically, got me through just the worst parts of my life. And... I enjoy the hell out of his voice, literal voice, the the vocal cords that are in his mouth that he mm-hmm. uses to speak. And I know it's because it's connected to a, a good nostalgic feeling for my childhood, but I enjoy the hell out of listening to him lecture, listening to him tell his process, listening to him talk about the writing process is a general kind of uh, exercise, not just him personally, but him talking about other authors. And what I would talk to him about in this episode would be the book It, because it's my favorite, one of my favorite books. Mm -hmm. And it all has to do with the way he writes kids, with with the way he writes characters. And that book stands out to me amongst the rest. And that sounds a little bit different than what I've said in previous episodes, but because I reread it recently and we're going to cover it, so I did some more digging into it um, to refresh my mind. We're covering it in 2024, here in a few months. I would really enjoy having Stephen King on, and it could be just us having a cup of coffee, talking nonsense, and me recording it. It wouldn't have to be anything. Sure. But I would sincerely enjoy that yeah that's fair i'm not surprised that you said that because the reason we've read a lot of uh, stephen king is due to your um affection for the novels from your childhood so yep that's good uh what books from the podcast would you want to see turned into a tv or a movie Mm. this is i'd want to see it but then i don't want to see it because i feel modern hollywood would just fuck it up. We'll do a book. I think I said books. We'll just do a single book. Yeah, and that's what I was planning. Or or a book series, but like... I think 
out of the stuff we read that hasn't already been made into a movie, I would like to see... <sighs> okay, the one that first came to my mind that I kind of want to see, but I think Hollywood screw it up, is Liza Lacklamora, mm. which we're reading now, and you guys won't hear the episodes until a while from now, a couple of weeks, a yeah. few weeks. Yeah. But the thing that I would want to see an American version of is, um, goodness gracious, Roadside Picnic. I would want to see an American version of Roadside Picnic that's done well. Mm-hmm. I think Liza Lacklamora would just turn into some sort of cash grab action nonsense, whereas if we can get a good director, like the guy who did uh, Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. I forget his name. Goodness. Aronofsky? That guy, yes. If you can get him to do Roadside Picnic, it would be a beautiful piece of cinema. Yeah. I I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you say? What's a, what's one book that you want to see become a movie? So and don't say Sanderson because that's too easy. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, he's already in talks, but then the writer strike happened, so that kind of was quashed. And he doesn't need the money, so he's going to wait until it can be done correctly. So that's yeah, that's like going to happen. So I, I think that's a cop out answer because he's spoken openly to his fan base of like, hey, this is happening. I can't give you any of the details, but just like know it's coming. I, for my own fandom would say the cradle series but i'm gonna shelf that because i sorry with these questions i wanted to answer them in ways that i would not that would expand the love of story and so i would like to see a study in emerald turned into a tv series where each season we go with moriarty and his companion to you know follow along this alternate universe pastiche of a Sherlock Holmes meets Eldritch Horror Cthulhu world by H.P. Lovecraft. That, yeah. I think, would be done very well. It could. It would also be pop TV. So, like, it doesn't have to be profound. But because it's a detective show, it could be profound. I'd dig it. I'd buy that for a dollar. And this leads into our next question of, like, favorite genre, favorite genre that we've read so far versus least favorite genre. So, Honestly, from books that I didn't pick, and I think that that should be the starting premise for both of us, is like, because we know them, so we already have a bias toward them, is A Study in Emerald. Like, I really liked the idea. I think I said this in the episode, too. I really love the concept. I think the execution was lacking a bit, but the the concept was great. Big fan of the concept. So that's my favorite genre, where you're mixing things with Lovecraft, especially with, like, Sherlock Holmes, and then it's the flip of not even Sherlock. It's Moriarty. And then least favorite genre would be speculative fiction that doesn't go through an additional three rewrites. City in the city. All right. Fair enough. That's my answer. Because I've liked some speculative fiction, like Roadside Picnic. Like, that was really good. And I liked uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep and some of these other ones that you've picked. But, like, that one didn't hit. because and I And I really think it could have hit if it simply went through three more rewrites. That's it. Like, the concept was there. Anyway. I'm belaboring. Favorite genre and least favorite genre of books you didn't pick? Well, since we've only read fantasy that I didn't pick, right? (laughs) This is not at all a value judgment. This is just 
based on the stuff that I read and based on how I responded to it, favorite genre would be Sanderson because of Warbreaker. Mm-hmm. We're going to put Liza Lacklamora aside because... You haven't finished it, but I know you're going to love the second half. I think so, too. Least favorite, and I still love it, but if I was going to say one, two out of the the two genres that we read suggested by you, Sanderson's number one, so it comes down to authors more than genre. Sanderson number one, Will White number two, and I can even give you a reason. It's kind of an arbitrary reason, but it'll fit. In the Sanderson's books, I was constantly engaged. With the Will White books, especially in the third one, the first half was, okay, I know, we'll, here, here we are, we're going to get through this. And then in the second half of that book, I was like, oh, okay, we've gotten through this. Now we're in the middle of the action again. Again, that's not a value statement. That's just how it was. And there needed to be a setup for the second half of the book of uh, Black Flame, specifically. And this is definitely a cop-out answer. Well, I wouldn't even call it that. I am forced into a corner with this answer question because of... Yeah, there's just I there's not a lot of variety that I've brought us through yet because I wanted yeah. to prove to you that there was fantasy out there that you would enjoy. That Right. Yeah, so... Right. So anyway. this is kind of an artificial answer, yeah, but I, there yeah, it is. That's fair. This is going on kind of a two-hour podcast, so like it might be an hour and a half after cut down, but like let's do some closing thoughts. Let's do it. Let's talk about the future plans for the podcast. What is our vision for the future, and are there new segments or formats or topics that we're considering? Right. I think the future of the podcast is to continue doing this and growing and getting better and honing our marketing skills. That's the easy part. The new segments or formats or topics, that's where you and I have to discuss stuff offline because we don't want to alter the brand again to the point where it's unrecognizable. If we're improving the brand, it's one thing. But if we're just changing every three years, what's the point? It seems silly. I would love to talk about some of the more weirder things out there. Like my friend Jesse, who you will meet in a few episodes. Like what? She talks about, and I have to get the right name from her, internet fiction, like creepypastas. And I think there's a new whole genre called internet fiction, where it is transgressive in the sense where it buckles literature standards. I'd love to do that. I would love to talk anime, but very narrow and very niche anime. I'm talking about anime like Monster, anime like Death Note, not just Dragon Ball Z, because we're kind of doing it in book form with Cradle, but very specific types of stories that are not necessarily in book form. That's what I would like to do. We've had some discussions on it. I understand your position and I agree with it at about 98%. But if there's a way to fit it into our brand, that would be something I would be very interested in. Because what Americans think when they think about anime, they think about Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z, uh, Attack on Titan. 
And those would be interesting to talk about, I suppose, because they are, in their own right, very noteworthy of the impact they've had on American media and American youth and our generation, which were no longer youth. But when I think of the storytelling of, yes, anime, then digging down deeper into the weeds and you go monster, 72 episodes, like four or five different subplots, all about this guy who is a maniac and driving this doctor nuts. A lot of stuff to unpack. Death Note. A lot of stuff to unpack. So how that works out, I don't know, because I do agree with your position on why this should be a book podcast and not just every type of media podcast. But stories are stories, and trying to fit that in would be an interesting challenge. No, it's you, you don't fit it in. So unless you separate the brand into something like a holding company and you have separate shows, you don't fit it in. Well, let's like, get a holding company. Okay. Um, <laughs> so some of the stuff that Slava and I have gone back and forth on and we did an experiment with in October was a Thursday release for episodes. We like doing these additional bonus episodes. The issue that I held for it, and you heard me talk about this earlier, is if it's just the same that we're doing right now where we're just reading a story, it's not a bonus episode. It's not adding new value. It's not a new format or a new topic. And so something that I proposed, which we haven't executed on because we don't have a plan for, so we're in the the idea stage to reference information we shared earlier, is Thursdays could be talking about mythos from different cultures and, and countries and things. Like this is something that we have discussed as a as a format or topic we haven't committed to it because we don't have a plan for it and it all comes back to like we're both very busy so it's a it's a time issue if that sounds interesting to you guys like let us know in the comments because that is direct feedback that hey we would find this valuable from you guys the audience which then would give us more of a reason to try to plan and then execute on it but one of the things we've talked about is is definitely additional segments of some kind but they need to be in line with the brand so that's always the biggest thing is like we have big ideas but it just has to be in line with the brand so there are future things coming that's just one of them to whet your appetite that segues well into the next thing we should talk about i think we should talk about audience engagement we want to hear from you right now there's only two places we can hear from you which is our instagram account comments or on Spotify, where you literally can engage with the episode. Unlike Stitcher and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, the only other three hosting platforms that I know outside of Spotify, you are able to answer questions that are crafted by us in response to every single episode which is a great thing that Spotify has. We want to hear from you. We do, very much so. What we wrote in our outline is, discuss how your audience can continue to be involved. That is how you continue to be involved, especially suggesting topics and books we should discuss. Yeah. Because if you suggest something that neither of us have read or has even dreamed about reading, how much more fun? Because then you're with us discovering maybe new things because we might pick up on shit that you didn't know 
Mm-hmm. And then you are getting to watch two guys unbox something, right? For lack of a better term, that's a silly sure. analogy, but the, what, what comes to mind, you guys get to see two guys listen to them discuss something that's near and dear to you. I think that'd be fun. I would I would do something like that. Yeah, I'd me be too. involved. In, yeah. Another thing that y- people enjoy is live episodes where we do Q&A. So if you want that, like that's another idea. Just let us know. Right? Yep. So and uh, at least 5 of you have to come to that. I mean, even <laughs> we'll do with one of you, but you got to buy us coffee. But if there's like 2 or 3 or 5, we'll get together and talk. It'll take a while to set that up. So that's maybe a goal for 2024 summer fall area of the calendar but that's something very much a thing that we do and one lucky winner can come to a 12 course meal that slava puts on for us absolutely well (laughs) maybe a five course meal but yes not 12 all right you know how long that would take no 12 12 course meal like they you know i'm not talking like a steak at every meal whatever we can we can talk about this offline anyway i know how tasty menu works it's gonna be a while (laughs) uh closing thoughts so Let's just wrap it up here. We, we, we've got a long podcast here. If you guys want more, like chime in, let us know. But thanks so much for joining us on this journey before destination, 50 episodes so far, and we're excited for the next 50. And we're, we're excited for all the other books that we're going to read too and how the brand grows and things like that. Slava, any final words before? Absolutely. Like the significance to me personally of reaching the 50th episode it's almost difficult to put into words for a guy who rambles and talks a lot. It's very, it's actually very difficult to put into words. We started this thing off as kind of a hobby thing, kind of a thing to fill in our, fill in some time, but also an exercise in marketing to flex that muscle to see if we can grow this thing. But I've really grown to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Like, Me too. I can say, hey, I am a podcaster. Not because I've done three podcasts and fucked off and never did anything again, but because I've poured the last three years almost of my life into this thing. Two years at least, right? Two years? over two years. Yeah, at least two years of my life I've poured in my energy, blood and sweat and life into this, and each episode I have taken very seriously. So I can say I'm proud. Even of some of the flubs, because, well, fecal matter passes, I am very appreciative of the last two years. With you specifically, Jonathan, as a partner in this thing, mm-hmm. and with you, dear audience, good people as I call you, it's been, it's been really fun. And I know we're only at 50 episodes, and I hope to God there's 50 more and then 50 or 500 more after that. Yeah. I would enjoy the hell out of that, honestly. I'm happy that we made it this far, and I'm really proud of what we've done. Love it. Well, you salty adventurers, you know what we do at the end of every episode. Make sure you never miss a podcast by smashing that subscribe button, or you'll lose out on your share of all the treasure that lies ahead. Let us know what you think episode 100 should have in it to make it special. Until the next one. Pirate good people. Pirate goodbye. I don't know. Now, I like goodbye to people. That's good. It's not final. It's, it's final. No, I don't like it. So when you say goodbye, you're never going to see anybody? Yeah. All right. Until the next one.